Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you as we're slowly getting used to that bright, shiny thing in the sky after a fairly cloudy weekend, both on and off the pitch. Scott, how are you? Yeah, it's a bit bright. I'm going to go shut my blinds. It's too bright. What's this blue thing with the yellow? And why is there not water falling out of the sky today? What's going on? It's almost like we've moved to Seattle. Adam, how is it uh, up in the northerly regions? Yeah, uh, look at uh, yeah. We there's this orange thing in the sky, so that's always good. So uh, yeah, let's just hope that you know uh, that we can dry out a bit in the next couple of days, and with any luck, we'll uh, have some football. Fingers crossed. Obviously, it has been a fairly disrupted weekend all over for football with the rain that has hit the east coast of Australia. It's been well, fairly dramatic, and also a good excuse to sit on the couch and watch the matches that have gone ahead. Uh, we're uh, the Brisbane Football Review. We're going to cover all things going on with Southeast Queensland related football, starting with the A League recap. Before we do that, though, you can always get in touch with us, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review, still working on that. Twitter at BNE Football. On those social accounts, you can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match and selected National Premier League's matches as well. And don't forget to also check out our NPL Sunday special featuring Adam and Scott as they recap the weekend of State League football. Adam, I'm pretty sure I've covered everything there. Am I forgetting anything? Yeah, you, you got the plug-in for the uh, MPL show? Yeah, I did. Well, that's all you need. <laughs> when hosts aren't paying attention. <laughs> all right. So, uh, we've got a lot to cover this week, uh, from this weekend just gone by. There wasn't as many matches to cover as we thought there would be uh, with... Se- a whole lot of MPL getting cancelled due to the wet weather and hopefully someone's out on those grounds with gigantic fans trying to drive them out for this weekend. One match that did go ahead despite a few nervous moments over the weekend was the Raw's A-League clash with Wellington in Newcastle as part of the double header up at McDonald Jones or down at McDonald Jones Stadium from where we're sitting right now and I, w- I just want to say from the start this was a phenomenal concept that was almost doomed by things that were just completely out of their control. The doubleheader at McDonald Jones Stadium, it was set up for a fantastic afternoon and it basically turned into a battle of those who were getting paid to be there and those who were brave slash foolhardy enough to try and make the trek. Scott, it was a 1-1 draw for the Raw goals from Hamed and Gogol Mabratu. What do you make of it? Well, firstly, it was a great concept, wasn't it? The idea of that doubleheader. And if it was... If the weather was as good as it is today here in South East Queensland on Sunday in Newcastle, they probably would have got over 10,000 there to watch it, and it would have been a great doubleheader. You're right. The raw, as for the Raw-Wellington game, the first half wasn't great, was it? It was some of the worst stuff we've seen from them this year. It, la- it seemed like they could get to the edge of the 18-yard box, and they ran out of ideas. and It just seemed like they didn't have that creativity in the front third to unlock the Wellington defence. I thought when the um, subs came on, that was when... The game really did liven up. They added some creativity and energy in the midfield and and the front. Third. You could see the game improving and getting better and better as the Raw went on, game went on. The Raw got better, but the first half was pretty terrible, wasn't it? The first half was, let, let's be honest, atrocious. The level of execution, not just from the Raw, but from... It wasn't Wellington. weather-induced either. It was just... Wasn't it almost, no, I, think it was, I think it was. Um, it, was a it almost pretty looked stiff- like to me... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it just almost looked like to me... Like, the Raw expected the match to not go ahead. And to be honest, they weren't the only team that had uh, that sort of start to the match as well. In the second half of the doubleheader, Newcastle just... They looked like the worst side to take to the pitch in the A-League in the last five years. So, it wasn't just that, but it was a rough watch for the opening 45 minutes. It was a very rough watch. Adam? Yeah, look, I think, I think actually, you know, the... The conditions were pretty tough, you know. We've been heavy underfoot. I, 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 look, I agree. It's amazing 
that given the amount of rain they had in that region and where you know maybe you know, 20 k's down the road they were literally flooded out so to to have that game go was a miracle in itself but i think the conditions were sort of really made a go you know, a tough grind and neither side in the first half really sort of you know sort of really sort of adapted i, I believe at one stage was i think it's a headwind about 35 k's an hour so so yeah so that was always going to make you know life tough for both teams but yeah with that said um of the two teams that you know had to adapt to the conditions i, I thought you know wellington were the first to do it better and we did hear plenty of jokes from the uh, commentary team of Peacock, uh, Bosnich, and Slater, was it? Yep. Or Harper? Yep. Yeah. Well, the commentary team saying, oh, this is all the sort of weather that Wellington would be used to. And to an extent, they're kind of right. Although it is uh, worth mentioning they haven't actually played a home game in about 12 months. <laughs> or a proper home game in about 12 months. But yeah, the, the raw, they started out on the back foot, but... I suppose if you are looking for positives, the biggest one is the fact that not only did they respond, but they started to show signs of life in that final, I would say, half an hour when Warren Moon said, all right, enough is enough, and brought on um, the changes to make it the back four that we've been talking about for a few weeks. And, Scott, like, the overall level of intensity from the Roar in that last half hour, was it a case of just trying to a case of trying to chase down a one nil deficit or was it a case of okay we're trying to get back to the way that we played in the games that we looked really really good in i think it was just a case they had to go for it they had no choice they had to go for that one nil down they hadn't won in six at that point they were it was a game where they knew they had to get something out of the game and you could see the way with the players warren brought on over the course of the second half it was a case of going for it whatever the cost basically if they score a second one on the break so be it. We've got to go for it. And I thought the the more they did go for it, the better it looked. The back change to the back four, it looked a different side almost to me. Joey Champness came on and he was his energetic self. I think that roll off the bench at the moment is really something that he can make his own. Bring him on after 60 to 65 minutes and just let him run loose because he was he was quite influential in changing the the game for the Roar in terms of just, just running at them and keeping the ball and creating things in the front third. And that was really important. Then you saw young Cyrus come on and he was quite energetic and involved on his debut and goal goal popped up at the back post for the equaliser but I just think it was the change of the players who went on and it was I don't know if it wasn't it's not so much that it was the players brought something different. It was just they went for it. They had to go for it. And they they got something out of it. They got their award and they might have got more out of it in truth. Yeah, it's one of those weird things where if you feel like if they'd actually played the way they did from those changes in the 54th minute. So it was Jesse Daly and Kai Truen off for Riku Danzaki, who was a surprise starter on the bench for me. But First also, time this year. But also I do think that probably comes with a little bit of the asterisk of that, that did not look like the sort of game that he would thrive in with the horrible weather, heavy pitch, and massive headwind. He's definitely... I Yeah, I, I'm trying to find the delicate way to say this, but he's definitely a... It was a uh, game for energy and workhorses in midfield, wasn't it? I was going to say, <laughs> if, he, if he was a race horse, he would have been scratched on the morning. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Adam. That is a perfect yeah. analogy I can think of. But yeah, that change from Warren Moon saying, all right, we need to you know, liven things up. You're right. It didn't necessarily result in a... I'm trying to find the right way to say this, but it did seem to produce the results that Moon was looking for. And I think that's probably the first time we've seen that in-game change since the Raw, uh, change of formation since the Raw went to that back three against Newcastle playing at that venue back in mid-January and it just seems like having that ability to be flexible and I would say play to different looking but still overall fairly similar systems is what's going to be their strength going forward in the second half of the season Adam yeah look I think it's a case of you know having that flexibility and it's almost like in this six six um six winless run for the raw it's almost as if teams have figured them out and it, it seems so every time that the raw then change up good things seem to happen like so they they're able to turn they're able to sort of you know to, to get the momentum where you know they, they came out and beat you know they beat melbourne victory absolutely spanked them the next week and you know look and maybe maybe something's 
go brewing for for this uh, Saturday. But yeah, I think the case of it may be that the the back three system may have been gotten a little tired and predictable. And it's almost like while it's a strength of the Raw to be able to play that, and defensively they've been very, very good, I think it's been at the cost of, of you know, really fluid, coherent attack. And all of a sudden, you go the four at the you go four at the back, and when I say two, two centre-backs and your two traditional uh, full-backs, and all of a sudden the attack seems to make more sense. Yeah, and it does seem to produce that extra body in midfield, which is probably where they've been having those issues going forward, is not necessarily the front three, but it's just getting that balance with the likes of Akbari, Daly, even Jay O'Shea. They just haven't quite had that extra outlet that they might need trying to move the ball around and create that solid chance. Now, we say, you know, they need to remove one defender. The best chance of the game for the Raw came from an inch-perfect cross from their centre-back, Macaulay Gillespie, who we'll talk about more in a little bit, but inch-perfect cross for goal-goal Mabrachi to score his first A-League goal in eight years and five days, I think it was Adam Peacock said. Yeah. Yeah, inch-perfect cross, great run from Mabrachi to come on and finish it. And look, I, I hate the fact that I'm pleased with a draw but considering just how bad that first half performance was I think we and the conditions that they were playing in I actually feel like overall Scott I've got to be really happy with that because it gave us signs of life and something to be excited about going forward yeah there's good draws and there's frustrating draws this was a good draw given the way that the first half went there was it was average we'll hear from Warren in a minute but he also said it was pretty damn average so to be able to fight back and get a, get a point and the momentum to get the late equaliser, James, to actually hopefully carry the momentum from that goal into next week, I think there's, there is positives in that. So I, and, the way, and again, the way they played in the second half from about 60 minutes on, there's plenty you can take from that going forward, momentum building. So I do think it's a, it's a point that if you offered it at half-time, we all would have taken it great, gratefully. So I think it's, it's one of those where it's a good point to pick up. Adam? Yeah, look, I agree. I think, yeah, tough tough road trip, tough conditions. Look, it'd be a case of Raw would be happy to gain a point more than, you know, Wellington feeling like that they probably dropped two points. And that's sort of, I think that's pretty much the sum of it all is that, um, yeah, you build, you build momentum from those because that's a game that you could easily say at 1-0 down, nothing's going right, tough day. Tough day at the office, you say, you know what, it's three points that got away. So to, to show some character and sort of, you know, really sort of, you know, fight hard to to gain a point, I think it, I think that will at least, you know, hopefully go go forward and, you know, use the momentum going into um, the next round. Definitely. All right, let's hear from the coach, Warren Moon, after Sunday's match. There's no, there's no hiding behind the fact we weren't good enough in the first half. We were second best. And, um, you know, we had to change things and we... Uh, in difficult conditions on the heavy track. So to get the point, we'll take. You know, it feels like we've got something at the game and, uh, you know, that end on a note like that's positive for us. Um, you know, but we came here with intentions to win the match as well. So we're obviously disappointed from that perspective. But um, based on our first half performance, we'll certainly take that. Um, how much do you take out that fight back in the last half hour? I mean, you, you guys have been without a win for a while and for, for the guys to fight back like they did, does that, does that give you some hope going forward? Look, it does. I said that at halftime to the boys. You know, whilst we haven't won in the last six or seven weeks, you know, we've got to take positives and take steps forward. And one nil down at halftime, and then all the games we've been behind, we haven't found a way to come back. So, uh, for us, that was uh, another little step in terms of the character and resilience of the team. Um, and we've come off, like I said, yes, we wanted to win, but we'll take the positives from that result and how we finished, and we'll take heart from that. Okay, thanks uh, to the Raw for. Uh, that audio for the uh, post-match press conference after the 1-1 draw as well. And I do want to also uh, just point out one other huge positive from the match as well, where we've been fairly critical of Fox's level of coverage of the A and W League this season as well. But I think we're all in fairly strong agreement about how the three-man boot they had with Peacock and the two co-commentators, I think in part because Mark Bosnich might have had several four-letter words uh, when asked to go on the sideline. I think he actually... I think that actually worked really well. And I think that utilised Adam Peacock's strengths of being what is, for all intents and purposes, a match day host, who's still developing as a play-by-play guy. 
I think that worked really, really well. And I would even go so far as to say that's probably the best commentary effort I've heard from Peacock since he started on the FFA Cup a couple of years ago, Adam. Yeah, it was actually, yeah, I, I found it quite entertaining as well. Also, you know, Ben Homer in the next game, who, who was in um, that three-man commentary with um, with Bosnich and Slater. And yeah, look, it's a, it's probably, obviously, again, I think it's accidental how they sort of fell upon it. But look, I actually thought, you know, and I, I don't normally say that, oh, I'm that entertained by commentary and whatnot, but... Yeah, I actually thought it was a very, very good call, you know, especially in a game that, you know, at times sort of, you know, really failed to sort of, you know, live up to any great heights. There are some games, though, where you are entertained by commentary, right, Adam? Certain NPL matches? Uh, yeah, yeah, ones that Simon Smale and the Campbell call. <laughs> <laughs> right, also, anyway. It yeah, special, did work special quite well, though, that, that um, the trio on Sunday did work quite well because you mentioned Adam Peacock, he's still getting used to the role of a the league commentary, James, which you know quite well. And also Mark Bosnich, he's still getting used to the co-commentary role. He hasn't done too much of that. It wasn't until after lockdown that he started doing that. So there's two people there who were still getting used to those roles. So having three in the booth did work quite well. And those three have worked together for a long time. So it did work quite well. And it was one of the more interesting games to listen to on Fox. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was quite a good effort. So as well, ma- so. match day Saturday reunion, but just in the com box rather than the yeah. studio. Yeah, and look, we have been quite harsh on the level of, uh, I suppose, match day production, but we'll give credit where it's due. And I will say that was definitely one of the more enjoyable broadcasts to tune into as well. Even if I did spend the first forty-five minutes going seriously, why the hell am I watching this? <laughs> but anyway. All right, so uh, Adam, I believe yep. it's your week for three, two, ones. Yeah, uh, I don't know how that happened, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So so three points to Jay O'Shea, two points to Corey Brown, one point goal goal Mabratu. Uh, uh, it was tough, sort of going trying to pick three, but I thought I thought Jay O'Shea was very very good. Um, his distribution and sort of his, his passing and sort of just basically playing quarterback, you know, in that midfield was a lot better. And it showed, especially in the second half. Definitely. All right. There are two more points on this match I want to get into, and we do have a little bit of time because the W League side were on a bye. Uh, we'll start off with the debut of Cyrus Demi, the product of uh, Churchy here in the eastern suburbs of Brisbane, who would have obviously worked a bit with Warren Moon. And I'm fairly certain I saw Rochdale say he's a junior there as well. They tried to lay claim to him uh, being a graduate of their club as well. Either way... It's another academy product that Moon is giving significant A-League minutes to. We all thought maybe he was just going to be there as an extra body uh, break glass in case of emergency, but Moon brought him on, and he certainly had an impact uh, in the 20-odd minutes that he got, Scott. He certainly did have an impact when he came on, didn't he? It was quite a lively debut from him, and a lot of good energy in the front. He actually created a couple of opportunities as well, so for a first-up debut chasing the game. I was surprised it was him who came on so early. I thought that's when Golgol would have came on and you might have brought Cyrus on late as a last throw of the dice type of a thing, but Warren went the other way and it did work quite well and it was a good debut from a young player we've seen a lot of in the NPL over the last couple of years. James, whenever young players debut like this, everyone, every club who's had anything to do with the player loves to get themselves involved, so maybe he was at Rochdale for a little bit, but we did get a bit of a tip-off when the MPL game happened on Saturday night between Lions and the Raw Academy, and he wasn't in the squad. It was pretty clear that not only was he did a named in the extended squad, he had travelled, and at that point it was pretty clear he was probably going to at least be on the bench. So great to see him get the opportunities. He certainly deserved it, and he took it really well. Yeah, we, we do know, we've known for a while that uh, Warren Moon and pretty much you know, the coaching staff at large at the Raw have got a high opinion of Cyrus Demi. They see him as a, you know, as a great future prospect. And look, it's good to see him uh, be rewarded for what has been very strong form in the MPL, probably the back end of last season and continue on in the first uh, couple of rounds. So, so yeah, no, good on him. Um, yeah, and look, we hope it's more than uh, 20 minutes that he, he gets. Definitely, and I suppose we've talked about the struggles of the raw attack over the last month, basically. But I suppose that is a really promising thing, and we'll get into this more when it comes time to do the uh, NPL 
discussion as well because they had an entertaining game against Lions on the weekend. But you look at the young attacking stocks coming through that Raw Academy. Obviously, we saw Demi. Uh, also got uh, Alex Parsons, Eli Adams, Keegan Yelisich. You've almost got like a under-20 uh, front four there. And I say under-20s as an approximate, not knowing their exact ages before anyone jumps down my throat in the comments. But there's a lot to be excited about in terms of the young players that are getting a run on the bench. And I will say on Cyrus Demi, um, when I was doing the GPS commentary last year for Double Take out at Ipswich Grammar, I did their game against Churchy, and Demi was borderline unplayable basically for the entire match. And uh, even though uh, Churchy wound up losing that one 4-2, Demi gave them a 2-0 uh, lead, and he was just phenomenal all over the place and was... He, along with Jackson Simkin, were the linchpins of that Churchy team last year. So, two more young raw prospects to keep an eye on then. Now, I hope we're not going to spend too long on this, but I have a feeling that this could uh, lead to a lot of uh, issues with the laws of the game as they're currently interpreted. But Wellington had a penalty shout in second half stoppage time. The ball struck the arm of Riku Danzaki as, I believe, Aldred was the one trying to clear it. Now, I'm going to get this out of the way first. Live, didn't think, didn't give it a second thought. After seeing the replays available through the limited cameras at the stadium, I completely swung around and thought it was going to be a penalty. Scott, what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought the referee was going to give it when you saw the arm move away from the body. That's normally the telltale sign. When you see that sort of action made by, by a defensive player, normally that's the sign of, okay, it's not... It's not arms not by the body, it's out there. You normally see that given. So I did expect to see it given. At first glance, I was like you. I thought a bit close, maybe let it go. But watching the replay, I do think it was out there. And if it was given, as much as we all would have been annoyed by it, I think we all would have understood why it was given. I, I think it was one of these decisions that were, was a case of it was the referee's call and that would have stood ir- irrespective. So if if a referee gives that a penalty and they go and they and they check on VAR, I don't think he overturns it. So it's, it was one of those ones. It's a fifty-fifty call. Personally, I thought penalty. Um, but yeah, look, I, as, as I say about VAR, in that case, it's it's one of those calls that. It was never going to get overturned. That I don't think there was much evidence either way. That and it came down to what the referee saw first, and the um, basically the, the the angles and and the replays were not weren't going to support an overturn. I I keep using the fallback of if I see that in an NPL game that I'm commentating on, or you know Adelaide, Perth, Central Coast, uh, Western United, or whatever, where I've got no interest in the game, I'm call I'm thinking that's a penalty 10 times out of 10 because based on my understanding of the laws of the game and let's be honest those things uh, probably or the interpretation of those laws change every five minutes I w- I'm stunned that it wasn't given as a penalty now look I'm not complaining because it helped preserve a draw for the raw and my tip for work as well because I always like getting those right actually no wait I didn't do that never mind that but either way I think it was a penalty. I wouldn't have been upset if it was given in terms of feeling like it was a you know, bad decision or anything. I'm much more stunned that uh, they didn't overturn it because when the referee spends that long looking at the replays, chances are they're finding trying to find a way to get to justifying the call that they're about to make. So, yeah, look, not complaining. But I think, you know, if the uh, internet internet reaction to that is anything to go by, it's a really good thing there's a Australian conspiracy against the Phoenix. So, you know, I'm all for that. Also, James, I'm really enjoying games in Newcastle at the moment. We saw the, we saw the VAR not work in the grand final a couple of years ago. It wasn't used much on Sunday. So maybe maybe we should play all games down in Newcastle and we can, just not, we can forget about those three letters. Definitely. All right. Um... There was the red card for Macaulay Gillespie as well, but uh, I think we might touch on that a little bit more uh, going into the preview of this weekend's game against West United because, just quickly, any issues with the awarding of the second yellow card, Adam? No. Scott? No, he took one for the team. Yep. Yep. I actually was kind of half expecting it to turn into a straight red or something, but either way, yeah, needs must. Team sacrifice, that's why he was the... uh, 
was a Gary Wilkins Player of the Year last year. So there we go. Okay, um, we did get an uh, email suggestion from Nick last week, I believe it was, um, talking about a bit of a mid-season recap because, as far as we're aware, the Raw have reached the halfway point of their season, if I'm not mistaken, as I'm just looking into... Well, 12 games in to somewhere around the 26-game mark, so it's there or thereabouts. Yeah, okay, there we go. So, 12 games, 13-odd, 14-odd rounds. Um, Obviously, it's been a fairly stop-start, up-and-down first half of the A-League season for the Raw. What happens when you're still trying to play during a pandemic, but... Yeah, uh, Nick gave us the idea of doing the mid-season recap, and we'll start off with some quick-fire questions just going around, uh, well, I would say the room, but we're actually in three separate rooms in three separate suburbs. So uh, we'll go around the Skype call. Adam, what's worked well for the Raw? I think defensively, they've been very, very good. They're uh, they're in the top three as far as goals conceded. Uh, they, they look fairly solid. You never you sort of... You never get the sense that you know that they're going to concede more than you know one or two goals, uh, and which which you know, for for Raw, who two years ago broke broke the A League record, um, that's always a good thing. And probably the other thing I think's worked well is that obviously Generation Next is starting to come through for the Raw. That you know obviously they're yet to make you know a massive game changing impact, but the fact that they're getting minutes. Um, and that it bodes well for the future that you know if the Raw can hang on to some of these young players through the academy, come out of the academy, start to sort of log up minutes in you know the A League in their sort of first and second seasons, that that bodes well for you know I guess the continuity of the side long term. Scott, yeah, it's a bit like season three, isn't it, where the defence and the young players coming through are standing up really well. And the front does not quite. So def- what's working really well is the defence. Adam mentioned the fact that defensively in most metrics they are at or near the top of the league. So that's that's what's really working quite well for them. That's what's keeping them keeping them afloat at the moment along with the four-game winning streak they had earlier in the year. I think the defence this year has actually been really, really impressive. The way that that unit, we saw it at the back end of last year, that unit is wor- is now working really, really well. With, with Jamie Young in goal plus that back, three slash five that's what's working really well for them and i think that's something which can underpin a second half run if they can get the front third right yep uh i haven't really got a whole lot more to add beyond those two factors uh the fact that they're giving young players minutes and also yeah the fact that defensively they are building on the foundations that were put in place last season as well and yeah obviously well, what hasn't worked and needs improving? I think that's also been covered as well. They need, they need to score more goals. I think now that's... In the last seven games, that's three goals scored in total, despite a litany of chances. And I, I don't want to necessarily talk down Wenzel Hall's goal against Sydney, but let's be honest, Andrew Redmayne handed that to them on, the, on a platter or let the platter slip through his legs. But, yeah, they just... They need to find that way through in attack, I suppose, even if it is just a case of... I still feel like what opposing teams are really starting to do now is they're starting to close down and not give them the space around the 18-yard box that they were getting against Adelaide. They were getting against Melbourne victory. So maybe... Excuse me. So maybe it does just boil down to the chance of getting a, you know, Ramadak Bari, getting Jay O'Shea, getting those midfielders to basically just say, all right, you know what? I'm just going to take a shot from 25 yards out, you know, 20, 25 yards out, just to try and draw out those defenders who are, for all intents and purposes, just basically setting up the Great Wall on the uh, edge of the 18-yard box. Try and spread them out a little bit so that they've got that ability to give the forwards like Wenzel Halls, who can make those runs in behind into space, give them a little bit more room. Scott, we'll go back to you. Uh, What needs improving? It is the front third. That is what needs improving. And I think it's they've tried a lot of combinations in that front third. You think about the fact that we've seen McDonald, Scott McDonald was in there at the start of the year. We've seen Masato Kudo get an opportunity, Joey Champness, Golgol Mabratu. It was... I think they've tried a lot of options and it hasn't quite... I don't think Warren's quite settled on exactly which one he prefers or thinks is the best at the moment. But you think back to when they were... When it was clicking for that moment, James, it was... Riku, 
Wenzel Halls and McDonald. That was the front three which felt beat up victory, beat up Newcastle the game before that. So I think maybe that might be the way to go going forward. But I think that that is the area of improvement, right? It's, it's the front third. They're not scoring anywhere near enough goals. That that's 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 where they can really improve. And we've talked about it before. If they can do that in the second half of the year, there's no reason they can't become a serious trophy contender this year. I'll, Oh, championship contender, I should say. I actually look at it... Uh, I'll take one step back. And I actually look at it as where I think the problem is at the moment is the midfield. Um, and that's not and that's not a, having a shot at any uh, particular player. Because I think in their own way, you know, Jay O'Shea, I think, has been great. Um, like I said, and I think Rema Akbari uh, and, and Jesse Daly have also been very, very good as well. I just think as a combination, it's just not working I think it's and unfortunately where and where, where I do agree with you guys about the um, about the front third is that if the midfield is not working as it should and not to provide the service then it doesn't matter who you have in that front third because they're just not going to get the opportunity and just in a way it's starting to get very it seems to get very predictable about how the raw are attacking and that basically the midfield gets bottled up in the middle, which means that then the ball goes out to either, you know, Brown or Hingert. They make a run up the wing, and they cross it into um, to one of the, the guys in the middle. And generally, they're, 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 uh, the opponents have got the defence back for that. So that's, and especially in the last sort of seven games, that seems to be the way that um, that opponents have sort of just nullified the raw midfield, but basically just just shutting it, shutting down through the middle, and. Um, and then just then just sort of just waiting to pick off the cross. So I think they're probably just one playmaker in midfield short of sort of really sort of unlocking where where the raw sort of attacking lies. It can happen. It it will happen eventually. It just at the moment it just doesn't seem to be working in that midfield combination. And you can tell that that Warren Moon hasn't settled on that because it's either it's either you know, Akbari or is it uh, Daly? They they seem to be sw- switching in and out. Um, it's, you know, trying Danzaki in midfield you know, earlier on. So it's just, um, yeah, I think that's where the issue lies. They're probably one creative player in midfield away from actually, you know, really sort of unlocking that attack. Because the attack is good if it goes. Yeah, I think Scott McDonald can kind of fit that role as well. Because mm. when he is playing up front, he does tend to drop a bit deeper into that number 10 type of role as well. So maybe that's, maybe it is the fact they are missing Scott McDonald. I think there's, I think it, we've talked about before, he is a massive massive part of this squad and the sooner he's back the better and maybe that's the role he might be able to fill and look I'll, I'll repeat again that's like I said that's not a shot I say the midfield's not working again that's not a shot at Akbari and De- Jesse Day they they have been very very good but as a collective unit um, it, yeah it just doesn't and I think it's just, as, you, as you said Scott I think I agree that not having a number 10 or having not a player that in that number 10 role I think that's really what's stifling the Raw's attack where it just seems to go they seem to be clueless at times yeah, I think that's fair. And I think they've probably gone a little bit too to the well. They went to the well a little bit too early on in those first five or six rounds. And that's probably now coming back to bite them, I suppose, where you're just trying to uh, wait and see. But in those games against Adelaide and the victory, they scored their goals all sorts of different ways. There were corners, there were long shots, there were you know short-range tap-ins, there were well-worked moves. It almost just comes down to the fact that it seems like they're... I still think they're overthinking things too much. They're trying to, you know, play... It's almost, in a way, kind of like watching uh, Arsenal in the early part of the 2010s when they were trying to go too far towards that Wenger ball style of just, you know, pass, 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 pass. Anyway, you get the point. Best performers? Well, you just have to listen to our three two ones every week. I think the two standouts for me have been Gillespie and Corey Brown. Scott? I was going to say Corey Brown. He's been a massive improver, along with Ramadik Bari. He's, we said before, he's someone who had a big year for him to try and get regular first-team football. He's been really impressive in that midfield with the, the simplicity of his work. It's, it's the it's the little things that he does that you don't always notice that I like about what he does. So, they're my two big improvers. Yeah, look, I'll I'll add to that. Um, I think. I think Macaulay Gillespie and Tom Aldred as a unit, I think, have been fantastic. I think Jay O'Shea has been very, very good in that sort of that 
centre mid, you know, number six role. Um, yeah, and look, I think uh, Corey Brown as well, I think he's, ha- he's probably having one of his better seasons. And uh, look, I think Dylan Winslow Halls as well probably deserves some sort of mention as well. He he just grafts and grafts and grafts. And it, it's probably a shame he's not getting the service he probably needs because if he was, he would be... Like, the fact that he's still well in the golden boot race, uh, it just shows how well he's having this season. I, I hate to go too heavy on the nostalgia angle here because I, I would just love to see how someone like Wenzel Halls would have gone playing with someone like Thomas Broich who could just tee up three, four, five chances for him on a platter every single week. Although, that being said, I'm fairly certain Broich could have turned any one of the three of us into a 10-goal-a-season striker in the A-League. So, you know, <laughs> I just wanted to get a, a Thomas Broich mention in there. Okay, uh, moving on to news. Jai Ingham has uh, left the Raw. You, uh, that's been announced today. 16 appearances in two stints for the club. I just... I, I'm still not quite sure what the exact plan was when they brought him in. Whatever it was, it didn't eventuate the way that they would have been hoping for it to. So best of luck when you go to, I assume, NPL Victoria, Mr Ingham. Uh, we do have two massive departures to cover, though in the W League side. Uh, one, Claire Polkinghorne and Emil- and one, Emily Gielnick, both are heading to Vizio in Sweden. That's a complete guess on the pronunciation as well. My apologise yeah, for that. Enough. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they will be leaving the club after their uh, final W League regular season match against Adelaide? Newcastle. Yep. Newcastle. Newcastle. My bad. Against Newcastle on uh, Sunday evening. And... The reason why they're leaving now is more to do with the Danish transfer window closing, I think, at the end of March, as opposed to them just wanting to uh, jump ship before the start of the W League finals. And look, I'm never going to uh, criticise a footballer, especially a W League player, for making a move overseas to try and chase a paycheck. They well and truly deserve it. Good luck in Sweden, Scott. Absolutely. And look, let's be honest, James, the Raw were lucky to have players like Claire Polkin and Emily Gilnick back in the W League this season. Given the exodus of the Matildas around the competition, they were very, very fortunate to have their regular stable of Matildas basically back in the fold this year. And it's to do with, in Sweden, they've got to go over there and do the quarantine and be there before the window closes. So it's unfortunate they have to leave before the final series, but it's just the way it is. And it's it's a move they both have to make if they're going to if they're going to continue to push for not just spots in the squad for Tokyo 2020 plus one, but also playing time. That's a it's a tough squad to get into the Matildas, and if you if you're not playing and there's somebody who is playing, there's a good chance you might lose your spot. So they had to go. We understand it. We wish them the best, but it's slightly disappointing they'll miss the finals. We're interesting to see how Jake Goodchip covers it, but this is the way it unfortunately had to be. Yeah, look, I think you're uh, hitting nail on the head as far as the one of the reasons, obviously, other than the logistical reasons of the um, Sweden uh, Swedish show transfer window closing, is both those players, I think at the moment, are playing well enough to be starting Matildas with with the Olympics you know, coming up in July. And they, they probably... They probably need to continue playing at that level if they're going to be a shot at, um, at you know, being in that squad and being on the plane to Tokyo. Because um, obviously, with a new coach uh, as well, I uh, look. I think he's he's going to be um, he's going to be quite sort of you know, there's no favoritism. He's not going to have you know all the data and all that. So you need they need to put their their, their sort of name up in lights. And there's only way you can do is play in a strong uh, competition like the. Um, the Swiss League, and uh, and yeah, look, I, I wish them all the best. I, I, the only the only thing I'll sort of you know, have a chip at is, you know, it's just the the timing of the league itself, and you know the W League, and you know, in a way, could we've seen this? Could when I say we, in the Australian Premier uh, Professional Leagues, could they have seen a scenario that this could have happened? Um, I know it would be hard in a pandemic year where it was unlucky to get you know, fourteen rounds in. But I think, yeah, it's, it is quite unfortunate that, um, that both players, you know, have to leave. And same with Dylan Holmes at Adelaide United as well, had to sort of leave to, you know, to be registered. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's just a sort of odd timing as far as, you know, 
you know, sort of having the season over and then the finals in April. But uh, look, I wish them well and yeah. Yeah, I, it, it sucks, but there's really not much you can do about that other than just say, yeah, good luck. And so um, someone for the Raw, someone for the Raw is going to have to step up now. That's what it comes uh, down to. Uh, okay, quick question. Well, two quick things on that. Uh, Winnie Heatley moves into centre-back, I assume, for the two of you. You're both yep. doing yeah. yes. Yep. And Tamika Yalt takes over as captain. Yes or no? Yes. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> cool. Might talk we, about the rest of who's or who might fill in when we get to the W League preview in a minute. We definitely will. But uh, before we do that, Adam, you want to go and have a quick talk about the <laughs> W League crowd in Adelaide? I'm going to get a drink. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, because I just want to, I want to tee this up and say, was it 5,100 people took advantage of the free tickets on offer for the Adelaide United game this weekend, which was a W League record crowd. And Don't say that. I, <laughs> Well, it's been reported as a W League yeah. no, record no. crowd for the regular season, anyway. Um, but you've got uh, you've got to get something off your chest here, Adam. Yeah, I do. And look, I know this is going to be a very sensitive topic, and you know, we are, and look, no doubt, I could draw fire over this, even though no one on Twitter seems to either know I'm saying it or has sort of ignored it. Is that you know what? It was a great occasion. You no, know, congratulations to those who actually went out and did that, who actually went and attended that day. But I just, uh, I find it disingenuous going around saying it's a W League record when it was a free gate. And that, to me, I have a, like, I don't take away the occasion, I don't take away the atmosphere. That, that That's all fine and good, and, and marked atmosphere. But it was a free gate. It, like, that's, like I said, in other words, you know, they're basically... It's just their guest book of records where they're buying records. You know, like, or it's, or it's, or it's, that, you know, or in technicality, it was actually subsidised. But to then go and say, oh, it's a record, and go and tweet to FIFA and everyone else go, blah, 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 and, you know, how great are we? Look, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a remarkable for the women's game. However, when your crowd average barely touches a thousand on a paid gate normally, to then go around and say, oh, we've got 5,000 people in. Oh, we're going to call that a record. You know what? To me, I just find, I just find that very disingenuous. And you know what? The three the, the 3,000... I've got this written down here. 3,105 that attended on you know, at Spencer Park on the 5th of November 2016, which was the old record, Brisbane Royal versus Sydney FC. That was a paid gate. To me, that's the that's the record. But also, as well, it's not even it's not in the top five anyway, as far as you know, all time. So, I, like I said, I, I don't want to take away the occasion, but this the just the chatter and the murmurs and the just the just the just the whole sort of nonsense about oh look at us, yay, it's a record. Just remember, it was a free gate, and look, I'm sure if the Raw opens up the gate at Lions Stadium on Sunday, then I reckon they could match it. So. You know what? That's, it is what it is. Enjoy the moment, but stop going around you know, saying it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Because you may have the record on paper, but just remember it was that you had, you had 4,000 people who would not ordinarily show up to the game you know, normally. And, and if, you're, if you're trying to demonstrate that as, you know, oh, this is your warm-up for the World Cup in 2023, well, I hope to God that it's not that you, know, you get the ticket price down. Because these are the same people then would bag the AFL women's for having free gates. So, you took that point right out of my mouth there, Adam. So, yeah, Me. so... I, I am pretty fired up about that. Like I said, I don't want to take away from the occasion, but I just think the hyperbole has gone round it as far as, oh, it's a record, yay, look at us. The truth is, is that there's 4,000 people there that wouldn't ordinarily be there. End rant. I, I, I just think it's you know great that there are 4,000 people in Adelaide that are willing to support women's football only when it's free. Scott? I was just going to say that it's not like Adelaide United lost money on this deal. There was a, a businessman who went out there and purchased all 17,000 tickets and started giving them away. So the club's not out of money. It was a, a good little PR exercise for Adelaide to almost test the market how much interest there is there in the W League. And it was somewhat political given they... Um, I don't believe they were initially included in the Women's World Cup stadium list when it came out. So I imagine there's a, there's a they're looking to try and 
prove a point that maybe Adelaide and South Australia should be included in that bid, I would I would be sympathetic and agree with them on that. There probably should be a couple of games there. That seems to be what it's more about. Look, they've got they've got the standalone W League record. They want to claim it as that. I've got no problem with it. it. Was it's what they wanted to do, and that's the way they did it. I'll be interested to see because I don't think Adelaide are going to get another home game again this W League season because they're not going to finish any higher than third now, I don't believe. So I'll be interested to see what happens the next time they play a home game six odd months from now. How many people go back if they have another game at Coopers? If they how many go back? So. I'll be intrigued to see how that works, but they've got the record and good luck to them. Yeah, also as well, the reports were that 8,500 free tickets were, quote, redeemed. So 8,500. So there's now 3,000 that went online allegedly and redeemed the tickets, but they never showed. So, yeah, look, it's, it's probably it's probably a storm and teacup, but like, I just think, yeah, just the hype ball behind it, it just, it just well, really up, That's me. for sure. Yeah, well, we're due for a good rant from Adam. I just wanted to echo, like, my two main takeaways is, yeah, it, it's one, it's wonderful, you know, supporting women's football, but if you are serious about doing it, actually, you know, put some weight behind it instead of just taking advantage of uh, yeah. the ability to have a free day out. And also, I couldn't help but notice, especially online, there were quite a few people who have spent uh, quite a bit of time heckling the A-League, uh, not the A-League, the um, AFL, AFL women's Club. competition for... Uh, touting their crowd numbers when they were offering free gates on every single match as well. But, you know, whatever suits your argument. Anyway, um, NPL, big picture takeaway. Uh, we will go through this very, very quickly because I am conscious of the time. Scott, yep. what was your big NPL takeaway from the weekend? It's how good the Young Raw might be this year. They were fabulous on Saturday night against Lions out there at Richlands and they were well worth their, their point they got in the end. I mean... It looked like they were going to get all three in the last 10 minutes with a great little back heel from Alex Parsons to set them up. So with a 2-1 lead, Lions came back and got an equaliser, but they were really, really impressive there, the young roar in that side. And we talked earlier about Cyrus Demi stepping up out of this team into the A-League, Alex Parsons, Keegan Yelichich. They both got their chance earlier in the year. They've gone back down to this team now, and you can see the hunger in them, that they want to get back to the A-League squad. And... They're performing really, really well in that front third now, and it's a settled, it's a settled Brisbane Raw Academy. So that's that's unusual for, for the Raw, just given the fact it's an academy. There's normally always players coming and going, and this group's been together for a while, and you can see the combination starting to grow, and the confidence in that side starting to grow. We just caught up with um, Chris Grossman after the game on Saturday, and you can hear it on our MPL Sunday show, but he's. He's quite confident they can push for the top four this year. And on that showing, they looked really, really good. And it was a, it was a message uh, to the rest of the league as well that, you know, for all the hype and whatnot around that, this is this is a very, very good team. And uh, look, uh, Scott talked about the um, about the attack, but, but also you look defensively that, you know, you had a back four of Reese Gray, um, Hassan Ramazani, uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins, I keep on mixing up with his brother on the Sunday show, and um, and Isaac Powell, who are um, who who sort of as well looks like a settled back four, and look to to hold to hold uh, Lions to pretty much a goal which you know was came from a bit of a from a slip from um, Courtney Perkins, which you know was taken advantage of, and probably then they just sort of went off, fell asleep just a little bit. And where Jordan Freena was able to get the equaliser. Other than that, they they were just you know just lights out, and it just shows as well that you know we we, we praise the first team, the senior team, A League team's defence. The, the four behind them in the, in the youth in in NPL at the moment aren't that bad either. And there may be a chance for one of them coming up this weekend in the A League, but we'll. Uh cover that in a little bit more detail as well. Uh, Just quickly obvious... before we move off from that game, James, Danny Kim also played 45 minutes in that game on Saturday as well and was looking like he's getting back to some fitness. So those those issues in midfield Adam was mentioning earlier, he might be close mm. to being a being a solution. Definitely. Um, the Aside from, yeah, that very, very entertaining game between the Raw and Lions, I think we call that the Orange Derby or something like that. The Hollandia uh, Derby. There it is. Um, yeah, that was and that was a really good um, game to keep track of as well on the NPL TV app. Uh, I couldn't Ching. get... Yeah. 
could get my head uh, beyond the NPL women's game on Friday night. The 5-5 absolutely crazy game between Moreton Bay and Logan. And again, think back 12 months. Well, maybe a bit more than 12 months because it was around yeah. this time everything was going to hell. But um, yeah, think back 12 months. Moreton Bay was just getting belted week in, week out. Logan was building a run to the grand final. I think it's fair to say Logan's still working their way around a uh, a massive off-season departures. Morton Bay definitely are going to be competitive this season as well. So that was a, an insane game as well. And um, obviously, you know, I, I, I continue to say you don't necessarily need goals to make a football match entertaining. But when it's a 5-5, it certainly makes it a hell of a lot easier to get into. Anyway. Wasn't those most lose in the first half as well? Yeah, it was... Four, I think it was 4 all half-time. Yeah, it was. Was, yeah, so I would say check out the uh, full replay of that match as well. Because just to say, just to just remind me, one just last point about Morton Bay. Um, Morton Bay as a club in general is then they somehow, some way on Sunday afternoon after they came on Friday night and we've had just rain non-stop. Somehow, some way they got 90 minutes through in the MPL game between uh, Morton Bay and Olympic in atrocious conditions and. But somehow the Walter Walter Park pitch held up, so it, that that was a miracle in itself that that game actually, you know, took place. Olympic one four one, but yeah. Well, yeah. Of okay. course, the mayor just completely overlooks that part of it. <laughs> hey, the facilities, the facilities. We need to move on, so let's go to our weekend preview and talk about first of all the W League. Uh, in hindsight, I probably should have just tacked this on to the uh, W League news stories as well, just to have one solid block of. Uh, super W League content, but anyway, um, the Raw they're playing this Sunday evening at Lion Stadium, Newcastle. Um, yeah, Brisbane still technically not in the finals, although I kind of feel like they're close to, if not safe-ish. I uh, I think it will be very very hard to see them uh, fall out based on the current ladder. Although what I would much rather see them do is secure a win and hope that that could be enough to keep them in the mix for the Premiership, Scott. Yeah, well, I imagine when they do beat Newcastle, which they which they damn well better do, they will secure a final spot and assuming... Oh, I, I think, look, if unless Victory win both games, James, yep. and then Sydney beat Canberra, they'll finish in the top two. There that's, we go. What, that's what would keep them out of the top two. Victory would have to beat Sydney and Perth, and then Sydney would have to beat Canberra. If those two things happen, Brisbane will finish third. But other than that, they will fin- they'll probably end up finishing in a home final. They'll probably play victory in the in the finals, and it'll be an interesting little matchup. Because yes. it's, 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 there's, there's five teams going for four spots, James, isn't there? It's Adelaide are done. They're on 22 points, I think it is, from their from their allocated games, and they're now sweating it out, hoping that Canberra's victory drop enough points to to squeeze in there, but. It's very, it's very close, and even the Premiership's still alive. I mean, if Brisbane can beat Newcastle and and Sydney lose both, there is a chance that they will, that they could take the Premiership. Even Victory could do it as well. But so, there's a lot to keep an eye on this weekend. And also, just as a quick point as well, uh, so yeah, we'll do the quick maths now. Brisbane, they're on 22 points. Their maximum available is 25. Uh, the Victory are on 20 points, but they still have two matches to play because of the weekend's postponement. So they on Wednesday, get... next Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. So the victory could still technically finish on 26 points, but should they do that, or should they victory beat Sydney? Yeah, Sydney are on 24 points with two games to play. There's still a chance. I'm not going to say it's a great chance, but it would be good to see the Raw finish off their regular season with a a win and at least put them in position for a home final because, let's be honest, from what we've seen from this side, they absolutely should have one and... Yeah, we can only hope that it's all going to end on a good note for them, Adam. Unless, unless it's an absolute disaster um, on on Sunday at the Gold Lion, um, Raw can't miss the finals. The, the worst they can finish is fourth if results, you know, go if they lose and then the results sort of go against them. But uh, the one takeaway from that is Melbourne victory somehow, some way, are still can still win the premiership if Sydney. A completely bottle it. So this uh, this season is going to get the extension right out till you know next Wednesday, as far as as you know 
potentially, if if results go a certain way, Sydney are going to have two cracks at um, at claiming the the premiership because a, a win a win for them um, against Canberra will see them crown the crown premiers. But yeah, there's plenty of playful left in this um, in this this sort of uh, you know, last round. And uh, and yeah, but I think the I guess the safe thing is Raw won't miss finals, and it'll be Adelaide that you know will miss finals if results go a certain way. But I I think yeah, it's it's going to be interesting final week, which is great. Yeah, that's all you really want from these sorts of competitions. Um, it's the top teams playing the top teams as well. You've got Sydney v Canberra, Sydney v Victory. So there's a lot of not just not just matches that these teams have to win. They're matches against each other, and that's the best thing about it. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, for the final time for the W League regular season, Scott, what are we going to be talking about from this W League match? Well, before that, we should talk about what how the Raw might line up in terms of like replacing Gilnick and Polkinghorne after this well, game because. Well, because I was we going to... We're yeah. a bit uh, tight for time, so we might hold off. All right, we'll on save that for that next week. Yeah, I think they'll win this they game. Are still going, yeah, they are still going to be playing in this yeah. match as well. So yeah. if you have uh, spare time on Sunday evening, make sure you head out to Lions Stadium. See the final uh, Raw match of the regular season in person. And, yeah, make sure you get out and farewell what have been two stalwarts of not just the Brisbane Raw, but the W League as well, Adam. What are we going to be talking about? Uh, Raw tune up for finals with big win over Newcastle, farewelling um, Claire Polkinghorne and Emily Gilnick in style. There we go. Yeah, just to finish that point, I think they'll win the game and they have to win the game for those two players. They've been such storied parts of this W League squad forever, basically, and I'm sure they'll be back at some point, but they're leaving for now and they've they've got to leave on a win. And I'll I'll, I'll, add, I'll add a byline to that to that headline and that. Emily Gilnick will be packing the uh, the golden boot with her to Sweden. There we go. Uh, I also I'm also going to say just just for fun, uh, Polks gets one last goal off a corner. Oh, they'll blow the roof of the gold line if they do that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, hope no one's planning on having dinner at the Golden Lion during uh, the match because <laughs> I can imagine the raw call will probably make it shake. Okay, A League. Well, uh, we have to try and get this in in the next five or so minutes very, very quickly. The Roar are playing uh, Western United at Morton Daly Stadium. 5pm, no, 4pm this Saturday. Daylight savings, still good for another week and a half. Uh, not a great record against Western United. Played for 1-1, lost three, including a 1-0 defeat two weeks ago. Well, there's one big change for the Raw, and that is uh, Macaulay Gillespie will be out for this match, considering uh, he was shown a red card in the Raw's last match. But one thing that has been awfully consistent in all three of their matches, it's all been very low-scoring, arm-wrestle type affairs, and three of the four have finished 1-0, with the other one being 2-0. So, Adam, are we going to see any goals on Saturday? I think we will. I think there's a few, obviously a few players, um, especially in that Western United side, that are um, very, very creative. I talk about Mrs. Uh, Barisha and Diamante, uh, but yeah, look, I think it'll be a tight game. I, I think uh, both teams have got you know, you know, good, good, tough defences, and I think it's going to be a game where you know what, you take your chances, and you're probably walking out of uh, out of Morton Daly with all three points. I think it comes down to that is whoever takes the chances um, is is winning this one. Scott, well, based on that, James, there'll be one goal. Based on those numbers, but I mean, uh, these two games. Every time these two teams play, it's always a close game, and it's there's both teams have opportunities, and it's tight. But I don't see anything different. I mean, they played two weeks ago. I don't see any any reason to suspect it'll be a different type of game than what we saw a couple of weeks ago, where it's tight, it's tense. It'll be a matter of when Brisbane get their chances, as they did two weeks ago. Can they take them, or can they not take them? That's what it'll come down to. That's it. Um, would you make any changes to the squad, Scott? Yeah, well, they're going to have to because Macaulay Gillespie, he's unavailable, so they'll have to make a change at the back. It's a bit, I'll be really intrigued to see exactly what Warren Moon does here. Does he go to the back four, which works so well, or does he just try and slot Scott Neville in, who should be available this week now, now that loan's done, quarantine's finished, and all the rest of it, so he's available. There's a ready-made experience defender you can slot into that role, so maybe you do that, but... I'd go to the back four if it was me. I would just look at it and say, that worked so well. We look so much better going forward. And I would just go with that. If that was me, I would I would probably change it in the front third. And 
I don't I don't think I bring Champs in from the start, just because I think he's so valuable off the bench in that role. But I would be looking to him to be a big impact player off the bench once again. But I would probably make a change in the front third as well. Uh, look, I think I think they go back. To, I can go to a back four. I think uh, Truon retains his spot, and I think where they need to make a change is they need another body in uh, midfield. And I, I actually reckon Riku Danzaki comes in into midfield as a number ten, and then the three that started, the three that started on um, on Sunday against Wellington, I think will, will retain their spot. But and as well as then you know taking bringing on. Um, you know, Joe Champions about 60 minutes to sort of cause all sorts of havoc and maybe even Mabrato even later than that. So I think that's sort of, I don't think it's too many changes they need. It's again, it's just a case of take your opportunities. Yep. Ricky uh, that... daily, James, is one I'd, the one I'd do. Yeah, that probably is a way to go about it. Although that being said, do you, yeah, Riku for Gillespie. And then that yeah. just adds that extra body into midfield. I, but that that's the other thing is knowing how Western United play. I do wonder if Moon is going to say, "All right, we know that we can keep them to one goal, and if it is just a case of taking the chances instead of trying to fashion, you know, another half dozen, could they possibly say, "All right, we'll go to the back three, but try and make that change as the match goes on. Make that same change uh, on fifty-five, sixty minutes where Kai Truen goes to the bench and on comes." someone with a little bit more attacking flair, like Joey Champness. You know, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying Joey Champness is a much better attacker than Kai Truen. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like, overall, that could be uh, the strategy there to try and just keep the match in reach in the first 60 minutes. Because, let's be honest, I know we all dislike the the, uh, Western United attitudes at times. There have been a few blow-ups between the... Raw and Western United as well. Oh, that's one thing we did forget to mention about the Newcastle game. They blow up at the end between the uh, two sides as well. Oh, I completely so, forgot yeah, about you can, that. So you can see Wellington, they had no doubt about whether it was a penalty or not. They, they were pretty clear on their view. <laughs> and also, if Alex Roofer is going to get uh, that frustrated at someone pulling his man bun, cut your hair, it's a ridiculous hairstyle, act like an adult. Okay, moving back to the Western United game. If anyone's got a man bun on that side as well, I would happily... Uh, see someone take a pair of scissors to those as well. Yeah, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com for all the man bun aficionados who would like to re- a response to that from James. Okay, and I'll send them straight to the spam folder where those opinions d- should be gone. Anyway, um, yes, if you... I, I do think it's going to be that sort of tight arm wrestle sort of thing. One goal will win it. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we still see that back three going in. The only question I've got though is if Scott Neville comes in... I'm not quite sure he's that left-sided stopper that Gillespie is as well. So, And I'm not quite sure you really want to try and displace Tom Aldrew from that spot in the centre either. So, big decisions awaiting uh, Warren Moon as this week goes on. And I'm sure if the Raw's training pitch down at Carrara ever dries out, he might get to see if he can uh, how he might line up with the combination, Scott. One last he did, thought. He did play at left wing-back last year under the former coach... Briefly, when they, oh, did, and they had no name. options at the end, he that shall not be named. Him exactly, but they they had no options, so they did play him as a left wing back, and he was always cutting inside onto his right foot. So it's clear that that's not Neville's best role. But maybe for ninety minutes, if if Warren does want to keep that that um back three, that's probably the way he'd go. I'd, I'd like to see Jack Jordan, Courtney Perkins, and you've set me off on that Jackson Jordan thing <laughs> now, Adam. But I'd like to see Courtney Perkins get an opportunity there, but I'm not sure it'll happen, unfortunately. Unless, and again, I'm just purely thinking out loud at this point uh, as we come to the end of the Brisbane Football Review. Could you even consider uh, sliding Corey Brown in one and bringing... Not the uh, form sort of, he's in. Not the form he's in. No. But I was just thinking um, there have been times, especially during the run to the FA Cup last year, where we saw Mikel Arteta do that with uh, Kieran Tierney at times, uh, moving that left fullback in towards Luke the centre. Luke Shaw's done it as well at Man United, so it's possible. Yeah. I I don't watch those teams, so I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> They're very average. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but either way, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those other thoughts that I'm sure has probably come across the desk at the raw offices at the moment. But anyway, I will. So I will add one thing about about um, Scott Neville is that I think that you know 
if Jack King probably, you know, he needs to find, you know, continue his form because I think that may be where, you know, the, the pressure as far as you know having you know, competition from places. It, that's where it may come from. Yeah, and Josh Brindle South seems like he's been getting put up for a few more media opportunities in the last week or so. I would not be at all surprised to see Hingit maybe rested, but like Moon signed Brindle South for a reason, and I do think that he's got to be knocking down the door for a place in the uh, A-League starting side. Wellington up 1-0 over the Melbourne victory at the moment, by the way. Cool. Nothing special they lose every week. <laughs> yeah, so we really should stop holding up that uh, 5-2 win back in February as anything special, I guess. <laughs> okay, Adam, what are we going to be talking about from the A-League game this time next week? Uh, Titan counter at Dolphin. Or more than daily, sorry. Got more than daily. Just quickly, I'm really looking forward to seeing Diamante play in person as well, so that's going to be amazing. But I think this will be a tight, tense game. I think it'll be a draw, to be honest. I'll go I can't split draw. these two sides. I'll go scoreless draw. Diamante rattles the crossbar late. All right, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We've run a little bit longer than usual, so my apologise for that. But yeah, sorry to, for the rant. Had... <laughs> <laughs> sorry to right. you guys, not sorry to anyone else. That's right, I took my headphones off for a few minutes. We're going to edit it out, it'll be fine. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, boys. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you once again. Get out to watch the Raw this weekend. Uh, Both teams are at home. And also try and get out and watch some NPL this weekend while you're at it as well. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back to talk about a whole lot more this time next week. Speak to you then.